One of the best ways to keep up with church life is through the City Life app. The City Life app enables you to listen to messages from Sunday, explore the Bible while listening to messages, stay up to date with church life through our Connect section, and much more. Download the City Life app in the App Store or Google Play Store today. Welcome to the City Life Podcast. We're all about making Jesus known. We pray these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus, who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. Amen, amen. Well, it's good to see you guys in church today. I just love being with every one of you. Why don't you guys go ahead and have a seat, and as you get your, as you have a seat, I'd love for you to go ahead and get your Bibles and your notes out. Be ready to jot a few things down. I'm going to be talking to you today from the book of Exodus, chapter number four. I'm in my hero series right now, Exodus chapter four, verse one, if you'll find your place right there. I just have to tell you, for me, while you're finding Exodus 4, 1, uh, this last week was an amazing week for me. Uh, I, I really missed being with you guys on Sunday. Thank you, Austin. Thank you, Austin, for, for speaking on Sunday. Yeah, you just you just hit the ball, you know. Just, just I mean, it was a home run. It was a home run. See, it was great. And people were going, thank God, someone else is talking. Yeah, so it was it was Austin. Uh, you know, it's it's nice. It's nice when you have a therapist come up here and 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 kind of put you guys all back together after I've done my my you know deeds for several weeks. But thank you so much. I always love it when you speak. But but um, I had a great time. Uh, last Sunday, I was away with my family uh, getting ready for Preston's wedding. And, uh, and I just have to say, there's now another Woody in the church, Dakota Woody. So the Preston and Dakota, they'll be back soon. Uh, but uh, but it, was, it was a good time away. Uh, yesterday... I was I was back here at our Vision Carriers breakfast and and I, you know what it just felt so good it was interesting because it just felt so good to be like back I it felt like I was gone for the longest time and as soon as the worship started I was like oh wow I'm home again it, it just feels so good to be back in church and, and I'll tell you guys there's nothing like worshiping Jesus with your church family uh, it it just does an amazing thing to your spirit and that's why I, even yesterday morning I, I realized how much I missed it just by being gone for. A Sunday, how much I missed it. And I just encourage you to never even, never come to church thinking, well, I'm just going to come for the preaching part. But you get in here for the worship part because it does something to your heart. Uh, and I also want to be really honest with you, just being away for a week and, and all of that, uh, I, I just have to tell you, I'm very deeply appreciative uh, for the Holy Spirit atmosphere that we have here at City Life Church. And, and it's created by you and your desire for God and the many volunteers. In fact, I just uh, want to just say huge thanks to the over 150 volunteers that we have every ever like who serve at least once a month here at City Life Church. I'm grateful for all of you. I'm grateful. Uh, really, uh, just just uh, you know, don't tell any of my don't tell any of my pastor friends this, but I pastor the best church in the world because you guys make make pastoring just a dream, and you guys are wonderful, wonderful people. Well. As I move into today's message, I just want to ask you a question. Have you ever had anyone tell you what they think you think? Like, like this, you know, it really does happen all the time where, where someone will just say, you, you just think you're good. You just think you're perfect or you just think you're all that. I still don't know what all that is, but, but you know, you just think, you think, or you think you're better than me or you think you're so special. Well, it, it's that person in your life who has this, 
amazing ability to to read your mind and they know your thoughts you know it's your critic and and it's someone who feels it's their duty to kind of beat you down anyone ever ever had anyone talk to you that way okay good good you know it's true it, it happens all the time but in reality what happens when someone starts telling you what you they think you're thinking which you, they don't know what you're thinking but they think they think they know what you're thinking is they're telling you that uh, they're just basically saying this you have pride. And they believe that by insulting you, by trying to act like they can read your thoughts, that they can bring you into humility. And I'm going to talk about that today. And I'm going to talk about humility because there are some really messed up definitions of pride that are out there. Some really messed up definitions regarding humility. And and see, a lot of people in our culture will equate, uh, let's say, success or even looking good with pride. But think about this. God is successful and God looks good. So does God have too much pride in his life? You know, do we need to tell him what he's thinking? You just think, you just think. It's like, no, no, God says, no, I know, I know. (laughs) You know, we tend to equate also at the same time shyness, uh, maybe a lack of motivation, possibly sloppiness or poverty or, 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 you know, we, we, we equate that with humility. But that's not humility. In fact, humility is a power-filled attribute for believers in Jesus. Now, I actually believe that humility is within the, it's really within the grasp of all of us, and I think humility is critical for all of us. At the same time, um, if we don't have God helping us you know, as, we, as we try to walk in humility, then pride is going to be the inevitable outcome of our lives. You see, with God... With God, they're, they're kind of like two basic prayers, two, two, the two most basic prayers. And one is the prayer on our knees where we're saying, God, God, uh, be gracious to me. Be gracious to me. I'm a sinner. Be gracious to me. And another one of the basic prayers to God is where we kind of stand up and say, God, I'm on my feet. Here I am. Send me. Use me. And these are basically the two most, most often uh, used petitions toward God. Uh, and really... They're the foundation for humility. Let me just tell you that. Because, see, humble people already know they're messed up and they need God's grace. See, a humble piece person knows that they need uh, God, God's hand to be on them and God's spirit to be upon them in spite of their insufficiencies because you know your flaws, you know your imperfections, you know your failures, and you know your own lack of self-confidence. Therefore, you need God to make up the difference. That's humility right there. And then when we become humble enough to ask for God's grace to fill us up, to empower us, and to use us, then all of a sudden we have this potency in us, there's this power in us, there's this strength, and there's this life that takes over us, which is good. And so I just want to ask you the question, are you willing to pray those two basic prayers? Are you willing to let your pride go? Are you really willing to make your life count? 
Now, when you pray these prayers, I just I want to tell you this right up front. Look out, because God does answer prayers. God empowers people. God wants to empower people who are humble enough to say, I, am, I have a lot of inadequacies, and God, I need you. See, God empowers people who push back on their own pride when they ask, say, God, I need you to fill me. I need you to empower me. I need you to use me. Now, Moses in the Bible is what I would call an ideal example of this. See, uh, a little bit about his story. Uh, he's the Bible hero we're looking at today. Moses was raised as the adopted grandson of the Egyptian Pharaoh. And this is back when Egypt was at the pinnacle of its world power in ancient history. And Moses was raised there in the Egyptian palace. He received the best education and social training that was available in the face of the earth at that time. And, uh, and yet on the other hand, Moses was a Hebrew. He wasn't an Egyptian. And he was actually the son of a Hebrew slave. And through this amazing set of circumstances, what happened is Moses, as a baby, escaped the genocide that was taking place over all the, the, the male boys and the male Hebrew boys in Egypt. Uh, but uh, as time went by, you know, he grew up and, and, and he knew his roots and, and he, he had this anger issue. Moses was always flying off the handle. There's plenty of stories about that, which gives, which gives you guys a lot of hope, all right? But, but Moses, he, he flew off the handle one time, but and he murdered an Egyptian guy because he was one of the slave masters who was beating one of the Hebrew slaves. And, and as a murderer, and some people knew about it, he had no choice but to simply flee Egypt to preserve his life. Life. He couldn't say, well, I'm the grandson of the Pharaoh. That wouldn't work because, you know, a murder is a murder. And, uh, and so, you know, you're looking at this Moses guy and you're going, wow, I thought he was such a wonderful hero. Well, he is, but, but you, you look at him and already you're thinking, wow, I thought I was messed up. Look, this guy is really, really, really messed up. And it's true. He ended up in the Sahara um, herding goats. And this went on for 40 years until he was about 80 years old. You talk about a demotion. <laughs> and then God got his attention. Uh, one day out there in the hot desert sun, he saw this bush that was blazing and, then, and it had burst into flames. And he'd watched the bush, but it didn't get consumed. It, it didn't burn up. And so he kind of step, stepped away from the goats and he moved in for a closer look at this, at this flaming uh, uh, bush. And, and then this, this, this thunderous voice came out of the bush and it was the voice of God. And God was actually telling Moses that his hand was on him and that he was going to go in into Egypt to bring out all of these Hebrew people, about 2 million of them, which were his relatives, the Hebrew people, out of slavery. Now, I can't tell you the whole story because I just don't have time today, but you can read it on your own. I encourage you. It starts in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter number one, and it's really a very riveting story. Uh, but, but we're going to jump into chapter four of the story because at chapter four, Moses is there in front of the bush and he's been having this dialogue with God and God's conversing with him. And, and, and I want you to look because God now has said, you're going to go and do this. You're going to go out there and make this happen. And, and so look at Exodus chapter four, verse Verse one, it says, Moses answered, well, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? And they say, the Lord did not appear to you. Like, what if they say this? Then the Lord said to him, well, what's that in your hand? That's a key line right there. Okay, I want you to say that with me. What's that in your hand? Come on, say it. What's that in your hand? That's the big question of the day. Moses said, uh, staff? <laughs> I guess. This is something I've had with me all my life, a staff. 
Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. See, Moses was a little bit smart, okay? Some of you are going, man, that's wimpy. He running away from a snake. Well, you know what? I would run so stinking fast. I would run, I would be gone. I wouldn't be standing around like, gee, let's try to figure out what kind of snake it is. No, you run away and then you look back from a distance to figure it out. And, and then look at the next one. It says, then the Lord said to him, now reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. Incredible. This, says the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. In other words, God has empowered him and God will use, God God will even do incredible miracles through him and that will be the proof so here it is. God takes this adopted slave boy turned murderer, turned goat herder, who we also know had a speech impediment, and he empowered him to literally alter world history. That is huge. And what did Moses have to author, offer? He had nothing. His life was a mess. There is hope for all of us. I'm telling you guys. See, but God used what Moses had in his hand. So here's my question to you. What's in your hand? What do you have that God can use? What's in your hand that God can use? I believe God's telling you today, he's saying, when you give me what's in your hand, I'll make it come to life. I'll work miracles through it. And I want you to imagine what would happen in your life and through your life if you will simply allow God to empower what's in your hand. It may not literally be physically what's in your hand, but it can refer to your talents, your, your business, maybe your relationships, uh, your finances, your skills, or, or your, your possessions or your giftings. And when you turn that over to God, that, my friend, is humility. Because when you give up, you go up. See, what God did is God then empowered Moses, and, 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 and there, God, there, there Moses is now standing with his empowered staff and and Moses then goes into Egypt and he stands right there in front of the mightiest man in the world at that time the Egyptian pharaoh Ramses II because God came on the scene Moses walked in humility and he walked out with strength that's available to all of us hey here's just the, you know what is in your hand that's the big question what is in your hand really what it is it's every gift and talent that you possess and the truth is your staff is priceless if you'll use it, if you'll let God use it. An example of this, if I were to get a football and put it into my hand, that, you know, that would be valued at about fifty nine ninety nine. you know, if I get a cheap one. But, but that same football, if you were to put it into the hands of Tyron Smith, all of a sudden that football now has a value of about $17.5 million. I mean, what would you, I mean, Whatever you have in your hand, even though you think it doesn't have much value, you put it into the hands of the pro, and all of a sudden, everything changes. God causes the value of who you are and what you have to spike in a huge way. But only the humble people get to experience that. He said, but I thought humility was like being sheepish and shy. No, stop that. That's all wrong. Okay, okay, for me, I can say, well, I have some leadership skills, and I have some communication skills, and I have some family skills, and 
But really, that's about it. I, I don't have much more than that. And I can use them for me and I can feel good about myself. And yeah. But if I allow those things to be empowered by God, the truth is the sky is the limit. Because humility actually begins when you recognize what's in your hand and you allow it to be empowered by God. And my prayer for you is that by the time you leave this place today, that you are going to turn those things over to God and you're going to receive an empowerment from God and God will will begin to manage and control what is in your hand. That's my prayer for you today. I want you to leave here different. See, that's what Moses did. It says right here in the scriptures in in verse 20, look at it, it says, Moses started back to Egypt and he took the the staff of what? The staff of what? Of God in his hand. It, It was the staff of Moses before that. Now it's the staff of God in his hand. See, it's not Moses' thing anymore. Whatever you have that you're good at, what I want you to, want you to know is, is, is take it and use it. Don't neglect it and let God empower it. See, Moses didn't go, well, this is just a dumb stick. He goes, but now I get to do some real ministry, so I'm just going to throw this away. No, no, no. What he did is he made available to God whatever he had, and he was good at it. He was good at using his stick. I'm sure he used, learned how to use it really, really well 40 years in the desert. But he didn't throw that away. He's like, well, now I'm going to do some real ministry, so I don't need this stuff anymore. No, what he did is he took what he was already doing, and he took that into Egypt. He made it available to God, and God brought to life what he was good at. And God will bring to life what you're already good at, and he'll do exponential things. If you're humble enough, God will use you. See, Moses didn't try to act like somebody that he wasn't. So again, if I were to describe Moses in one word, I would have to use the word humility. He accepted God's challenge to go the limit using humility. But you know, humility, I believe it begins with self-awareness because that's what we saw with Moses at the burning bush. I want you, you know, you need to read the story because it's powerful. He, he was very self-aware at that point. And, and it, I think we also need to be self-aware enough to know what we have in our hands, and also to know what we don't have in our hands, what we're not good at. You know, embrace your staff, embrace your talents, embrace your skills, embrace your relationships, and let God use it for his purposes. That's the beginning of humility. You know, in the Christian environment, humility is probably one of the most misunderstood characteristics in the Bible. Jesus and Moses Do you realize those are the only two people referred to in the scriptures as being humble? But I'm telling you what, those two men were self-aware and they had powerful, powerful presence. These guys were movers and shakers, the two in the Bible who were the most humble. Is, is, is that something you want? Oh, that's something I want. You see, humility has nothing to do with inferiority. Humility begins with a healthy self-awareness. And see, God wants us to know who we are and what we are capable of doing and what we're not capable of doing and then letting him empower that. It's cool because the word humility in the German language is, uh, it, it means, it comes from the words strong courage and also the word serve. To serve with strong courage, that's humility. I, that's actually a very, very good, good definition of it for us today. I mean, Numbers chapter 12, verse 3 says this. It says, Moses was a very humble man. Oh, now, now look at this. It goes on to say, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. You know who wrote that about Moses? 
himself. He did. He did. It's like, well, how can you be humble if you do that? No, see, humble is me. I know I'm, I'm, I'm self-aware. I know what's going on here, okay? That's actually not pride. That's humility. He is saying, here's who I am. Here's the reality about me. What he was saying is humility is my greatest strength, and I would love for you to emulate this. See, Moses had strong courage, and he just simply knew who he was, empowered by God. He knew what he was capable of. And Moses, though, he also knew about his background, and he knew about his flaws, and he knew he had to be totally dependent upon God because Moses was one messed up guy. So we get it mixed up. We tend to think, well, a humble person, they're a doormat. Or a, a, a humble person, you know, they don't really stand for anything. A humble person is a weakling. Well, I, all I have to say to that is wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. Humility is freedom from pride and arrogance. Humility is knowing you're inadequate. Humility is depending upon God to fill the gap because you know that gap is big. Humility is a willingness then when God arrives on the scene in your life to take some bold steps forward following the call of your of God in your life humility is courage it's being courageous it's being obedient to God humility it's strength pride is self-reliance now you understand that in our culture pride is rampant because pride is self-reliance in fact people beat themselves up in pride because they don't think they're good enough and so they beat themselves up and beat themselves down. That, my friend, is also pride because they're trying to rely on themselves and they say, oh, there's a gap here so I'm just gonna beat myself up. That's, that, that's pride. Uh, our culture is rampant with it. Humility is God dependence when we know very well the problems that we have. The moment you think you've got it all together is the moment then that pride takes over your life. Moses at the burning bush, he was empowered by God and that's the kind of humility I want. That's when his humility kicked in. You know, Moses wasn't humble when he killed the Egyptian. Moses wasn't humble when he was out there for 40 years taking care of goats in the Sahara, Sahara Desert working the worst job you can imagine. You know, His humility began when he was 80 years old. So there's hope for all of us. All of us, I don't think there's even one 80-year-old in this place today, all right? <laughs> Seriously, now you have to add all of our ages together. We might get close to it, all right? But, but, but when he stood before God at the burning bush, he had this God encounter. And, and, and I believe this, guys. I believe that a God encounter is critical for humility. If you, if you want to be humble, you've got to be able to begin to cry out to God and say, God, I want the gifts of the Spirit. God, I can't do this on my own. You know, if you're humble, you'll know you're deeply flawed and you need God's power. The paradox of our faith is that we're weak. And when we're weak, we're really strong because of God. That's, that's why we embrace the cross of Christ. That's why we do communion, what we did a few minutes ago. It's to remind us that we find our strength in weakness. See, the greatest act of humility that ever happened on this earth was when the creator of the universe, Jesus Christ, King of Kings, allowed himself to be crucified. That's humility. And, and through that, power was released not only to him, but to all of us. See, that's why, like, when we celebrate communion, it's not just some little perfunctory religious obligation that you have to do when you go to church. No, it's an association. We're making an association between us and the humility that we want to have and the strength and the humility of Jesus Christ. 
I tell you guys, that's why we water baptize. It's, it's, it's important to us. We don't like to skip over that here at City Life and say, oh, we'll, we'll just do that somewhere else and we'll not talk about that. No, we need water baptism. Why? It's because it associates us with our need to be humble and die to ourselves because, because when someone is baptized in that baptism, it's like a grave. It's a person goes into the grave and comes out. You know, that's, that's humility. Humility is found in dying to ourselves, dying to our agenda, dying to personal success and embracing the power and the love and the life and the giftings that God wants to give us. In Jesus, we become powerful people. In God, we become, we become bold and, and exquisite and at the same time, we're humble because that's humility. Some of you, I want to challenge you to be humble and to stop living in your past. You know, Moses had to go back to the place where he had committed murder. He had to face some ugly truths about himself. You know, you can't ignore your past, but your past is called the past for a good reason. You know why the past is called the past? Because it is in the what? The past. <laughs> it means you can't change it. You can't reverse it. So stop letting your past control you. See, humble people possess this strength to never go back and live in the past. Doesn't matter what you did, you're not going to go back and live in the past. And I'm telling you guys, that, that includes the positive things and the negative things of your past. You, you can't rest on the laurels of past successes, nor can you keep reliving your past failures and losses and defeats. Moses understood that, and that's how he walked forward with humility. His past wasn't going to control him. Yet at the same time, when you start moving out with God, you're going to hit some obstacles. You will. I'll just tell you right now, you're going to hit some obstacles. But my encouragement is to be humble and to not let those obstacles stop you. How, how does humility go, go, go with that? Well, it's because God empowers us to get through the obstacles. See, Moses returned to deliver his people, God's people, and he was full of faith. Man, can you imagine? He was happy walking in there. I've got my stick that turns into a snake, and I'm ready to go. God talked to me in a burning bush. I'm going to do this. I know this palace. I can do this. Okay, I'm going. I'm going. Oh, God, help me. Okay, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. And, and he goes up to Pharaoh, and he demands that his people be released. And Pharaoh just sits there and says, uh, excuse me, Mo. Uh I like you. Your dream is nice, but I don't believe in your dream. And, and you know, your, your little idea of freeing my two million slaves, that would kind of devastate my economy here. And Egypt happens to be at the pinnacle of world power. Get out of here, old man. And he sent him out. A massive obstacle. You see, but it takes humility to keep moving forward with the dream that God has placed on your heart after your dream has just been shot down. I'll tell you guys, some, some of the most powerful and respected people around you, they might scorn and berate your calling, your dream, and make fun of you for even trying to say that God's hand is on my life. Well, here's how to deal with it. You just say, so What? You kick me out, I'm gonna walk out, but I'm gonna come back tomorrow. You know, do not be stopped by obstacles. Obstacles will come, but obstacles are meant to be overcome. 
come on, that's the life of adventure. Do you just like looking at the obstacle? Like, oh, well, okay. You know, do you think, do you think like, you know, if, if a guy's going to jump a hurdle or a track guy or girl, or whatever, is going to, you know, jump over that hurdle? Like, oh, no, there's a hurdle there. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's like, jump over it. Well, what if they knock it over? Well, then they just go for the next one, right? Yeah. And Moses also, he faced disappointment. Why? It's because the very people that he was called there to deliver and to serve the Hebrew people that he was going to take out of slavery and give them a life, the people he was going to pull out of affliction and being beat down and whipped, they turned on him. They weren't applauding him. Oh, come save us. Actually, it's kind of weird because they were praying to God all because this this happened at the burning bush. They were praying to God all the time. God, send us a deliverer. Oh God, God, deliver us from the slavery. So God sends them Moses. And they're going, oh, get out of here. Wrong. That is exactly what happened. You want to hear it? Look at it. It's in Exodus chapter five, verse 21, the Israelite overseers. So these were kind of like the guys in charge of the rest of the, the Hebrew people. It says, they go and they have this meeting with Moses and they say, may the Lord look on you and judge you. That's kind of ugly, isn't it? You ever, you ever had anyone say, God will judge you? You ever had anyone say that? Yeah, I've had it said to me. It's like, yeah, I know he will. <laughs> and look, on, look on what else they say. They say, you have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hands and they're going to kill us. So all of a sudden they're taking this to this extreme. What they had prayed for, God delivered, and then they didn't like it. You see, Moses, I guarantee, did not see this one coming. His people were against him. They were not fighting for him. And this is where you simply have to change your perspective. And instead of telling God how big your problems are, you need to start telling your problems, hey, problem, I just want to tell you how big my God is. Because I know the story of Moses and everything was going against him and Moses stuck with it and the power of God was on his life and he broke through. Man, I want you guys to come up here, worship team. Hey, listen, guys, I also want you to be humble, especially when your haters are hating. Does anyone have a hater in this room? Some of you may have one. No one has a hater in this room. I'm skipping this point, moving to the next. Ah, I see. Everyone's going to be praying after the service for forgiveness, all right? You see, because the hater's in the room, and I can't lift my hand. All right, but Moses had it coming from all sides, man. His, his dreams of this splendor of God's miraculous power surging through him. He was about to deliver his people. He had these images of what it was going to look like, and it wasn't happening. Hellish re- resistance is going to push you and try to beat you down all the time, and it'll happen through people. It'll happen through people. And you don't hate them. You just got to keep moving forward. Whenever you step out in God's strength, the enemy will send people to try to beat you down. It'll happen. That's when you lean back into God because you got to know it's God that's in you. You're not doing this on your own. That's why you come back to church and you lift your hands and you worship again and say, God, I need you. I need more of you. God, I want to drink deep from the fountain of God today. That's why you hang around other people that are going to build you up. And that's why you're around other believers that are going to speak encouragement to you. You see, we are born with this strong urge in us to be prideful and rebellious, which means we lean on ourselves, we pick at ourselves, we beat ourselves down, and or we exalt ourselves, and it's all wrong. That's all pride. 
Basically, it's, I want my own way. Get defensive. You act independently. And we all do it. So I'm calling all of us on this right here. But all of that really objects to this whole idea that God wants us to be at his disposal. God wants to destroy pride in our lives. God has planted desires in your heart. God has given you a stick, a staff, which means God's given you skills and talents and abilities and relationships. And God is speaking to you. And I believe right now, just like he was speaking to Moses. So my question for you is, will you be empowered? Will you be full of God? God deals the cards. We play. That's humility. Here's my question for you. What's in your hand? What's in your hand that God wants to empower and use for him? What is it? What is it? Today, I'm going to ask that you receive empowerment for that right now. I'm going to ask all over this room, let's just stand for just a moment. Just just stand for just a moment. Would you just open your hands up to God like this? And in a sense, I just want you to imagine whatever, whatever is in your hand, Whatever that that talent, that skill, that ability, that relationship, that small thing that nobody else even notices, it may be as ugly as a stick on the in the Sahara Desert, but whatever it is, God, this is yours. I don't know what you can do with this, but will you use this? God, I want you. I want you in me. I need your power. Will you, will you do that right now? Just offer it to God. Just offer it to God. Just offer to God. Just pray your own prayer. Just say, God, use it. Use me. Use it. Use me. I want to operate in humility. I need your power. I need your strength. I don't want to do this in my own strength anymore because I'm going to keep failing. I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you. Come on, just begin to receive right now from God. God, just say, God, just fill me up. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your life. Fill me with your power, God. Fill me so that I can knock down those barriers, so that I can move forward, so I'm not going to be intimidated by the voices around me, so I'm not going to be be, be beat down by the haters. I will move forward. God, fill me up. Fill me up. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's message. You know, City Life Church, we are all about developing followers of Jesus who influence and shape culture. And it's possible that you are even feeling a a shift that is coming in your life, or possibly deep down inside you feel called to something more. And City Life might be a part of that future. Let me tell you, Launch Sunday is the big event that's coming up, and it's happening on February 10th, 2019. And if you'd really like to be a part of what God is doing in downtown Fort Worth through City Life Church, I'm asking you to go and visit our website at citylifefw.org and click the launch button. Uh, You could also just come and visit one of our services because I, I really believe the future is bright and it's limitless in potential. I want you to hear my vision. I want you to be a part of what God is doing at City Life and come and chat with me personally after one of the services.